on. I'm on three seats. <laughs> Look, there goes the game. You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Celine Tadash, and thank you for joining us. Tonight, we hear about a recent special election. The Tompkins County Legislature 2nd District seat is too close to call. See, what is it like to change up your business in a year where businesses are already struggling? Nothing nowhere has existed as a series of pop-ups and art installations. And continue exploring Ithaca College's faculty cuts. Just the way that they're handling the shape of the college is something that Open the Books is very much against. But up first, let's hear what's going on in the Ithaca area with our community beat. The Cornell NBA program is moving courses online due to a COVID-19 cluster. 63 cases were found connected to the NBA program, as well as fraternities the students belonged to and a residential apartment building where they live. NBA students are being asked to stay inside and participate in testing every other day. Representatives from Cornell emphasized the importance of their community behavioral compact for students living here in Ithaca during the academic year. The Grassroots Festival of Music and Dance has announced it will not take place this summer. Organizers say the festival will instead take place in 2022. Grassroots is following the lead of other large events like the Ithaca Festival and foregoing gatherings until next year. The Aurora Streetery is set to reopen April 1st. The Downtown Ithaca Alliance plans to close the 100 block of North Aurora until late fall so that restaurants can serve more diners outdoors. The area was first closed last summer in an effort to help local businesses reopen according to social distancing guidelines. The Ithaca community is still mourning after the shootings targeting Asian women in Atlanta. This past Saturday, a combined vigil and rally was held in Sean Greenfield Park. While offering the space to mourn those who died, the event also saw community members denouncing media refusal to label the shooting a hate crime and police responses that sympathized more with the shooters over the victims. Both Ithaca College and Cornell will host in-person, student-only graduation ceremonies for the class of 2021. IC will celebrate their students May 23rd and Cornell the following weekend on May 30th. The heads of both schools say no guests will be allowed due to current New York State guidelines on gatherings, but the ceremonies will be live-streamed via Zoom for family and friends. The Ithaca School District is hoping to increase the amount of students attending in person by the end of the school year. While the topic has been vaguely alluded to over past months, the last board meeting saw multiple members advocating for increasing the amount of students allowed on site. The meeting came hot off of the heels of CDC guidelines for schools reducing the recommended distance for students from 6 feet to only 3 feet. Over the past school year, 120 COVID cases were tied to the school. 
For Madeline Loreen, this is William Strelakis, WICB News. This past week marked a special election to fill the Tompkins County Legislator seat of the new New York State Legislator, Anna Kells. Correspondent George Christopher gives us a quick rundown of the state of the race. The special election for the Tompkins County Legislature's 2nd District seat is too close to call. On Tuesday night, the Tompkins County Board of Elections reported all 523 same-day and early voting ballots, with Leslie Schill leading Dr. Veronica Pilar by just three votes. With Schill securing 262 votes and Pilar 259, the race will come down to 42 absentee and eight provisional ballots yet to be counted. The Board of Elections confirmed these ballots would be counted this coming Monday. Final results should be available by March 30th, according to a statement from the Schill campaign. As for the candidates, both acknowledged the inconclusive result, but still sparked a positive tone. In a statement on their Facebook page, the Schill campaign said, quote, We will have to stay tuned until absentee ballots are received and counted, unquote. Schill also said in a statement to WICB News that the campaign was happy with participation in the off-cycle election. As for Dr. Pilar, she made clear that though her campaign will hold out for final results, whatever the outcome, she will stay in local activism, saying, quote, no matter what happens, we're going to keep organizing and advocating for justice, unquote. Though this race had a somewhat low profile, it still saw dueling endorsements between the two campaigns, with Schill receiving the support of 5th Ward Alderperson Deb Molinoff and Ithaca Mayor Savante Myrick, while Pilar received the support of the New York Working Families Party, as well as both 2nd Ward Alderpersons Duxon Nguyen and Seth Meta. Stay tuned to Ithaca Now and WICB News for continued coverage of this election. For WICB News, I'm George Christopher. This is Ithaca Now on WICB. I'm Celine Stash. What is it like to change up your business in a year where businesses are already struggling? Correspondent Christian Matry reached out to Nothing Nowhere, the not-so-secret cafe in the Commons, to see how they're handling it all. Coffee. It's an amenity that recharges us and lets us work throughout the day. If we've unfortunately foregone, getting those coveted eight hours of sleep. And to be honest, I've been sipping a coffee while writing this story. Nothing Nowhere is one of the many cafes in Ithaca that provides this sought-after stimulant as well as baked goods. Now to a full-fledged bar in the front of our store, Home Green Hall. Uh, seemed like a good way for us to try to weather the storm of the, you know, the, uh, the global pandemic. That's Caleb, the owner. We've been uh, a secret cafe for so long, hidden in the back of Home Green Hall. But now we're at the front. We've removed uh, a lot of our signage denoting where we are. Chose to shut down and move and then not reopen till the end of October, partly so that we could wait out part of the pandemic and keep everybody as safe as possible. That's Kate, who's in charge of communications for the cafe. It was a good time to move and sort of reboot. And then now, you know, it's a new, new place. We've got our hand sanitizer and our masks. Nothing Nowhere has existed as a series of pop-ups and art installations. Why coffee? Why coffee, man? I used to work at a little cafe. I was doing graphic design, restaurant, layout, all that kind of You know, all the creative things. Coming up with food. Different ways that art can be channeled through the lens of, like, a consumable product. Because, like, I mean, like, look at this coffee. It's so inexpensive. 
I'm going to charge you a whole $2. I mean, it cost me 17 cents. It's highway robbery right there. So maybe I can make it worth your time with a little uh, fancy skin milk, right? I asked the cafe what health and safety guidelines they use to keep their customers safe during COVID. It's life and stuff down using hand sanitizer. We've got a steam one that we regularly uh, wipe down. We're not doing any cups to stay, everything's to go. That's Brandon, one of the cafe's baristas. There's social distancing, no seating. Uh, it's really just grab and go. You got a five stop? It's an impressive feat to be a business that works through a pandemic, but cultivating and maintaining personable connections with customers through an event like COVID that quite literally forces us to be apart just shows how local businesses like Nothing Nowhere can go above and beyond. What are these things? Oh, dude, those are the New Yorker rolls. The ones on that center shelf are filled with a... a reduced lava paste that uh, my buddy Andy's been making, and then the top ones are Dulce de Leche. Doing anything with the rest of the day? Uh, job sites and paperwork. I gotta hire someone to uh, drop off a dump trailer. Do you have any suggestions? You got pen and paper? I got a pen and paper. I don't even prepare. Okay, you're gonna call TPK Disposal. His name is Tom. I really appreciate that. The owner met this customer and made a personal connection in just minutes. For me, seeing that in-person connection being made was really heartwarming because I think there's a huge lack of that, not just professional, but personal connection between local businesses and their customers because of the pandemic. I'll do just a medium for WICB, I'm Christian Matry. We'll be back in just a moment. Have you ever been at the dinner table when a friend or family member begins a political debate? Have you ever wanted to join in but just didn't know how? Now there's a podcast that can help you navigate the complex world of politics. Join me, Alyssa Spady, on VIC's newest podcast, Policy Unplugged, as I set out to help you navigate different policies going through Capitol Hill. Tune in each week for a new topic so that you can debate politics with facts, not fiction. To listen, go on Spotify or one of your podcasting apps of choice and search VIC Radio Policy Unplugged. To hear our daily newscast anywhere, anytime, head on over to your favorite podcast app and search WICB Presents the latest for a quick rundown of the day's news locally and beyond. Subscribe for a new update every weekday at 6 a.m. And while you're there, check out WICB's entire network of podcasts. You're listening to Ithaca Now on WICB. I'm Celine Stash. Last week, we looked into the faculty cuts at Ithaca College from the voices of those cut and their co-workers. This week, Madeline Laureen and Hamadri Saith continued this exploration, this time from the voices speaking most loudly against the APP process. Ithaca College continues to be engulfed in turmoil surrounding the controversial decision by the administration and the Board of Trustees to cut 116 full-time equivalent faculty positions. Those most impacted by this decision are those faculty, but another section of the Ithaca College community that will face the consequences 
is the student body, many of whom have expressed the feeling that their voices have not been and should have been included in this decision, in which they are also stakeholders. I'm Madeline Lorene. And I'm Himadri Seed. And today we will be talking to the students and alumni actively involved in attempts to fight these austerity measures that they deem unjust. This is the second of a three-part series in which we discuss the issue from the perspectives of different stakeholders within the Ithaca College community, faculty, students, alumni, and administration. In the first part, we talked to some of the faculty members directly affected by the cuts. If you missed that episode and want to listen to it, it can be found on our website, wicb.org, and also under Ithaca Now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up with student and alumni voices, Madeline Lorene. IC Open the Books is an on-campus group made up of students, staff, and faculty actively protesting the job cuts and calling for financial transparency across the college and administration. The group holds weekly meetings for concerned students and community members, public events like protests against the administration's decisions, and rallies in support of those who are losing their positions. I got the opportunity to talk with Carmen Enga, an active member of IC Open the Books. Enga is a senior sociology major with a double minor in education studies and counseling. They're graduating this spring, and all throughout their senior year, they've rallied for their professors whose jobs are at stake. Yes, yeah, so my involvement with um, Open the Books um, has kind of grown from I was a part of Ithaca College uh, Students for Labor Action. Um, And then I worked with some other students as a part of Not Another Bite, which was instrumental in getting Sodexo off of the college. Or once again, working for faculty um, in light of decisions and policies that the administration is putting forth and just the way that they're handling the shape of the college is something that Open the Books is very much against. And we're just working to collaborate with a bunch of different student groups across campus to really let the administration know that this is more than a business, even though that's what they're running it, what they're running the college like right now. For Enga, the fate of faculty and staff they've worked with over the past four years is personal. As an international student from Austria, Forming strong relationships with professors has helped them feel like a part of the community. Even though trying to get through this last semester, trying to get through this last year, knowing the administration is treating some people who really got me through some difficult times at this college are just treating them so horribly has made me so depressed for the outlook of like, well, what's the future of the institution going to be after I'm not here to try and help support those people who have supported me? The treatment and care for professors over the global pandemic is one of the main concerns for Open the Books. In their messaging to the administration, Open the Books focuses on addressing the financial health of the school without jeopardizing jobs within the next few years. 
They see this as an injustice and a mentality that goes directly in the face of what President Collado's administration has claimed to stand for since joining the college in 2017. They claim to be a transparent and working for a, a better Ithaca and Ithaca that follows their Ithaca Forever plan. Um, but if you look at the values and the ideals of the Ithaca Forever plan, they are blatantly going against so many points of that plan, like sustainability, um, equitability among the college in everyone actually getting their voices heard. When asked why the group feels the need to hold public protests against the administration, Enga talks about it as an act of community expression. Um, yeah, protests have been a great way to just bring the campus community together after a period of just so much stress and turmoil that we're at least trying to keep the fire alive of just people showing their support for faculty and showing their criticism of the administration and just trying to hold them responsible for things they have been claiming to do. One protest had the group leaving notes and written messages in chalk and permanent marker on the entrance of the campus administrative building. Another event included a socially distanced rally along the entrance of campus to show support for faculty job loss. In response to the signs and messages left at the administration, Building on December 12th, President Collado sent a community-wide email condemning the actions, calling them, quote, vandalism and vulgarity. President Collado said, quote, This act displayed a lack of empathy as to how selfish conduct would detract from our graduating students' big day and how it might impact all students as they go throughout their final exams during a stressful time. The president addressed the group's protests without commenting on their calls for financial transparency or a pause to the process of faculty cuts. The group is active on Instagram, where they go by the username I see open the books, and post infographics explaining their goals and reasoning, and resources through which members of the campus community can support those affected by the cuts. They also post documentation of written and verbal interactions the group has had with members of the administration. In a recent forum hosted by the administration, a member of IC Open the Books asked Provost Lejeune Cornish if student and alumni opinions and input would be taken into account during the Academic Program Prioritization, or the APP. Yet, my question is, at the end of the day, is student input meant to be included in the final recommendation for the APP? Regardless of whether it's heard, regardless of how it's collected, is student input, us being stakeholders in this university with the tuition that we pay and the choice that we made to come to Ithaca College, is student input and alumni input meant to be included in the final decision for the APP? And will it be included going forward when inevitably more faculty cuts come down the line? as we pursue this quote-unquote right-sizing for our institution. There was no role for student input or alumni input in the review process as clearly articulated in section 4.9.8 of faculty legislation. We have video 
evidence from a recent student meeting of them saying that student and alumni input is not going to be a part of the shape of the college plan that they have. Again, even though with the multiple emails they have sent out saying they are listening to student voices, they have told us they are not going to use any of that input. So this performative listening is something that we believe is hurting the community. The administration has provided students with online forums where they can ask questions about the shape of the college and the academic program prioritization. Enga says themselves and IC Open the Books feel these spaces don't create an environment where students feel welcome to critique the administration's decisions and interests. Something they see is vital in addressing the long-term health and stability of the college beyond immediate job losses. The administration has also spoken out against Open the Books use of the phrase, quote, stop the cuts. This has become a common calling card and slogan for the group, a representation of their highest and most ideal goal. Other groups across campus, including Student Governance Council and the American Association of University Professors, have presented bills and petitions calling the administration to address financial transparency across the college and stop the cuts. In an interview with the campus newspaper, The Ithacan, President Coyado and Provost Cornish addressed the call to, quote, stop the cuts, saying, quote, we are not stopping the faculty reduction, unquote, and that they are continuing with their next focuses after resizing the college, organization, and strategic growth. If we could, we wouldn't want any of the valued faculty and some very valued programs to be cut. Um, but again, it's more than just that one issue. We want them to listen to the people who have concerns and whether or not it is stop the cuts. They have acknowledged that there are alternative plans in place that could, that have worked across other um, colleges across the nation. Um, but this was cited as just the easiest, most straightforward plan for them or the one that worked best for Ithaca College. But again, that doesn't mean it was the only plan and they have refused to my knowledge to explore those plans in a forum that other people can look at them and reassess them or assess them and just propose more options. Enga says that ultimately, I see open the books and faculty advocates feel that the long-term health and stability of the school is linked to how the administration chooses to treat members of the campus community. When asked about the future of IC Open the Books, Anga says they will continue to push for the information and conversations they feel are vital to the college. Keep asking questions. Keep looking at the information they're giving us versus the information they're not giving us. Um, again, there are so many different sides to every issue. So it's just a matter of getting the information and again, being willing to listen and work with other people to understand what their perspectives in the issue and their perspectives after a year of so many hardships has been. I'm Hamadri Seed, and you're listening to Ithaca Now. 
Right now, we're in the middle of the second in a three-part series Madeline, Lorene, and I are doing on the faculty cuts in Ithaca. So far, you've heard from a member of IC Open the Books, an on-campus group made up of students, staff, and faculty actively protesting the job cuts and calling for full financial transparency across the college and administration. But there is another community group which has taken a stance against austerity measures, IC Alumni Against Austerity. The group has 1,700 members on Facebook and is made up of alumni, faculty, and staff, and some students like Enga from Open the Books. Their goal has been to create a forum where alumni and faculty feel safe to voice their criticisms and concerns of the academic program prioritization and seek support during the layoffs. I sat down over Zoom with members of the group Sarah Grunberg and Elijah Breton to talk about the greater community impact of the faculty cuts and the overall decisions the college makes. When you don't share your salaries and you don't um, feed into uh, people being critical of that, right? And, and saying, well, hey, actually, maybe you should take a pay cut or maybe like, or this is like, why are we paying folks so much? That was Sarah Grunberg, who is both a graduate of Ithaca College and a former contingent faculty member. She taught at the school for four and a half years during the negotiations with administration on contracts, salaries, and benefits for contingent faculty. Grunberg, along with Breton and the larger Open the Books and Alumni Against Austerity campaigns, believes that it is important for the broader IC community's health and prosperity that the administration be financially transparent and that the senior leadership team should release their current salaries. This is a strategic way to protect the Board of Trustees since they are the ones who set these numbers. Um, it's a strategic way to protect members of the administration who, um, you know, don't want folks to know potentially how much they're getting paid or to target them as potentially folks who should be taking pay cuts or larger pay cuts. Um, so I think there's just a lot of thinking about like, well, how does this benefit them to not release these numbers? Ithaca College isn't the only one facing financial troubles right now. On a greater level, colleges and universities across the country are facing a changing landscape in higher education. The pandemic has forced schools to reevaluate how they invest in both academics and campus experience. Breton, a 2016 graduate of the Sports Studies and Communication Studies programs at Ithaca College, told me he fears that IC will become an example for other schools facing reduced attendance and impending financial concerns. What's occurring between the board and the senior leadership team is really recklessly irresponsible because other institutions are looking at what these groups um, and, and boards are doing. Um, to see if that can be replicated. And that is a danger to higher education uh, as a whole. And, uh, and that really, unfortunately, uh, hurts prospective students, students who haven't even applied to colleges yet. Just five years after leaving the school, Breton is seeing both his majors cut by the APP Implementation Committee. He says he's been let down a second time by Ithaca College administration, having also been active in the call for former IC President Tom Roshan's resignation. 
Breton and Alumni Against Austerity believe the school's focus on short-term financial goals undermines the greater importance of fostering security and care for all members of the IC community. These are priorities they want to see at colleges everywhere. This is a really negative trend. This is a this is essentially a, a corporatization of academia and higher education, and that's um, a big reason why we're we're trying to push back and and halt that. Many academic programs at Ithaca College partner with organizations off campus. Professors and community leaders have worked together to provide important programs like youth fitness, tutoring, and after-school programs. Grunberg feels that had the senior leadership team been open to alumni input in restructuring, they could have spoken up in support of these programs and fellow community members. Grunberg now works at Cornell as an instructional designer and sees how integral those connections are. You know, it's it's important for us to be thinking about um, both how these cuts impact the local community, the folks who live and exist. I mean, you know, Ithaca College does not exist in a vacuum, right? Like these are members of the Ithaca community who work there. That's not their only community. So these are people who, you know, I see walking down the street who are supporting local businesses, who are um, doing work with local businesses, using the privilege that they have in these institutions of higher learning to connect um, folks in the local community with those institutions. Grunberg says that the senior leadership team should have considered the greater community impact of eliminating entire programs at the college. This whole process was done really hastily and irresponsibly and without any thought about um, the holistic impacts that it was going to have and not just these kind of um, short-term impacts that it would have on the college community. So I guess that's, so I think that it's really important to think about you know, how it seems like the APP was kind of discussed in isolation. Like it was like, oh, okay, well, we're going to make these decisions based on like what we think is going to benefit this college financially. But there was absolutely no thought about how cutting recreation was going to impact different organizations downtown or how cutting the education program was going to affect organizations downtown. Alumni Against Austerity feel that transparency of goals, motivations, and values is essential across all leadership at Ithaca College, not just among academic administrators. For alumni like Grunberg, her place as a stakeholder in the IC, Cornell, and Tompkins County communities shows that the future of the college is not insular to South Hill. Being, you know, we need to take a look at the board of trustees and who's approving these decisions. Because yes, we can of course talk about the senior leadership team and, and the decisions that you know seemingly they are making, but every decision that they make is approved by the board of trustees. And if we don't have a board of trustees that is actively engaged and involved and represents the community, both of Ithaca and Ithaca College, then you know this is just some kind of entity that exists in Ithaca that could be potentially damaging to the community. And I think it already is kind of moving in that direction. And that's why I think it's really, really important for us to stop this um, before it gets even worse. In next week's episode, we will sit down via Zoom for a reporter's roundtable, I bet without a real roundtable, 
to discuss what we've learned so far talking with different stakeholders, information we've received from the administration, and questions we would like to ask them. Until then, we ask you to send us any questions you may have on the issue at news at wicb.org and we will try to find the answers. That's news at wicb.org. For WICB News, I'm Hamadri Said. And I'm Madeline Lorene. And that's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org. And if you'd like to listen to past stories, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear the full shows anywhere, anytime. Also, subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscasts every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't have happened without the support and assistance from the manager of television and radio operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB station manager, Sam Ives, programming director, Will Barron, and new social media coordinator, Gabrielle Topping. Thank you. Ithaca Now is produced by news director, Jay Bradley, with assistance from news managing director, Celine Tatar, and this week's correspondents, Christian Maitri, George Christopher, Imadri Saint, and Madeline Lorraine. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicb.org. We will be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday. I'm Celine Tash, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICB.